You're listening to The Cynic Weekly. If you enjoy our weekly podcast, you might be interested in finding out how to access even more Cynic content. By signing up for a full Cynic subscription at thecynic.co, you'll have access to Celtic-related podcasts throughout the week. For a monthly fee, you get access to a range of podcasts covering your favourite football club. We cover a range of topics from news and current events to the history of the club, analysis of games, player profiles, coverage of the women's team, quizzes and much more. We have our own app or you can download your private RSS link to podcast players. You can also access content via our website so you can listen in the way that works for you. To find out more, visit thecynic.co or email info at thecynic.co. We pride ourselves in being an independent platform. You won't be bothered by any outside advertising or folk trying to sell you stuff and you can cancel your subscription at any time. Thank you so much for listening to and supporting The Cynic. Hello and welcome to The Cynic Weekly. It's the 2nd of February 2023 and we get plenty to talk about in the world of Glasgow Celtic. I'm your host Christopher Gallagher and we're joined by, I'm looking for a dynamic opening here. Hmm. I am joined by Christopher Sarmani. Hello Christopher. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Hi. Hello. I am pure dynamic tonight my man. Uh, You've... um, You've, you've, you've lit a fire under my backside and I am full of dynamism tonight. Lovely stuff. Windy slam shut. Um, <laughs> three points last night for a Selic. That's what it's all about. Alan, what's he talking about? <laughs> I think we we're really trying to bring the 10 minute pod down to an 8 minute pod this <laughs> week. So we're just running through everything. Uh, no, it's terrific to see you, Samana. You're looking great. Uh, Alan Edgar's here as well. Alan, how are you? I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to this. Um, Alan is wearing the fantastic training top from last season. Uh, oh. The black one with the... Called me out for wearing old gear. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, have you got the new stuff? I've got all it. <laughs> every, every bit. Every single bit. I've got a couple of new things. I didn't go nuts this year. Uh, what about yourself, Chris? Uh, I've got this year's joggies. And... Jumper. I think I wore the combo once and I got called out for it. I think you called out for it. I, I think, think you get complimented. Com- complimented, called out for it. Holy fuck. Complimented. Do you know? Well, I haven't worn it since. So, you know, I'm obviously a sensitive soul. But if you were complimenting me, I'm going to get slipped right into that when I get up the road. Great stuff. <laughs> uh, you've got to. Do you s- have any of the new gear? Sorry, Chris, I was wrong. Uh, I don't have any of the new gear, no. Well, you've got the new away top and all that. I got the new away. I, I always buy, I buy the strips, but I don't necessarily buy the training stuff not because i don't think some of it's nice i just claire claire buys a lot of it so um, you don't wear like joggies and stuff like that do you around the house or we've talked about this before i'm sure i not really no i just wear my whatever trousers i pull on in the morning denims which i'll never i'll never go over it see when i come in and you've just been kicking about and you're wearing denims i find it disconcerting what do you wear when you're in the house uh give us a con give us a text give us a phone call uh at the cynic on tour. I just like to kick about my necklace during the day. <laughs> <laughs> you, get a, do you, do you get a dressing gown? Uh, no, no, I don't know. It's all very formal in your house. <laughs> <laughs> Careful, I know where this is going. <laughs> and I put a pair of shorts to kick about in, a pair of joggies. I sometimes you know? wear shorts, sometimes wear, I've got joggies. Uh, Claire bought a really Wait a minute, nice you don't wear shorts, right? 
I seen a picture in your Instagram, <laughs> and it, I, I seen a picture of you in your Instagram, and it was the summer, and you were wearing denims. You were actually out there, aye, and you said it was glorious. I was, aye. That's a great. Picture. And you were wearing it was. You said it was a great day, Chris. You know what? I made it better. Short trousers. Do you know what I did that day? Genuinely, I had got sweaty legs. Chafed. <laughs> we. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Claire got uh, her parents have like some of her uh, the stuff they moved to Edinburgh and some of the stuff's in storage and her dad delivered over this chair that's now in our front room but it was out in the back for a while because it was sunny and we didn't have to move it in and I sat on that chair for about six hours drinking listening to music it was fantastic anyway Glasgow Celtic in denim in denim <laughs> uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with wearing jeans but there you go does the postman ever just ask you where you're off to every day just because you answer the door in denims and don't really leave the house, the postman doesn't knock. So Jesus, that's killed that. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And we're off. <laughs> let's go. <cool. laughs> Some man is like, okay, come on, let's move on. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's the second of February. We've already. Uh, I wanted to talk about the fact that this time last year, this was mentioned on Twitter. Little Z, little Z on Twitter always uh, kind of delivers when it comes to remembering games and stuff. This time last year was the smashing of Rangers. Uh, Alan, just your kind of thoughts on that, memories on that. Did that set the tone? Because we had been kind of trailing or were trailing in November time and then we got ahead. It kind of really solidified everything. Yeah, I, th- I think um, I, as probably similar to most people, it's one of my favourite modern Celtic Park memories. It was the perfect conditions for a big night like that. And the only thing, the last thing that had to be put in place was for the team to win on the night. But to win and win in that manner, just completely overpower Rangers, put us in such a strong position. And I think everything about it, and you know, when you look back and you remember wee details like Maeda flying back and oh, yeah, being that's part right. of the team. And, you know, I think the day before, we were all watching, was it was it the day before or maybe the previous morning, Tom Roderick playing for Australia and we were looking <laughs> thinking, right, he's been taking off in 59 minutes. If he gets in a flight now, um, and that's where we were at because, you know, obviously we had trailed for a long time, but at that point then I think you started to think, nah, we're, we're in a really good position here. And it had a lot of echoes, I think, of, was it the 2007-8 season? Just of that kind of proper momentum and you felt like momentum. you had momentum going into a big game and then you delivered in a big game and you know um from then on that was it uh you know you say it kind of goes down in your kind of favorite games from a contemporary standpoint i, I put it right up there that whole experience the fact that it was you know we don't really get uh, derbies at night anymore you know meeting early with your pals having a few drinks you know going to the gate everything about it so just was unbelievably good it was it was an amazing night, and again, we mentioned that at the time. It had been quite a long while since we did a, a game against them at night, and you really kind of got a taste of what you were missing. I think that was probably the drunkest Celtic support <laughs> that I can remember. I think I said that at the time. I was one of the very few sober people there that night. Um, oh, yeah. I, I can't awesome. remember. Maybe come for work or something. I can't remember exactly why, but I was sober, but that was great because you were soaking up everybody else's kind of drunkenness you know <laughs> and it wasn't it goes without saying it wasn't like a an angry drunk or a tense drunk and the way up to the ground that night the entire support were in full flow I think we just I, I don't know I mean I was nervous getting into the game and I think most of us probably were but there seemed to be an anticipation you know it was that nervous excitement as opposed to 
you know, what might be coming up. And you could feel that. You could feel the atmosphere and the buzz going up to the ground and and then how it actually just unfolded on the park. I mean, Juranovic's performance that night was... Outrageous. Outrageous. Um, Hitati to come in and do what he did. O'Reilly. Um, yeah, exactly. These guys were in the door for, what, five minutes and they were turning in a performance like that. And it totally changed the tone, um, set the tone for the rest of the season and just changed the, 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 the dynamic. Um, turned any disbelievers into believers immediately. Um, and it's a night that you'll you'll not forget. I mean, there's so many moments. A bad account ghosted in at Barisic, McGregor called Barisic a shite bag, you know. You can rhyme off so many good things about that night. So, yeah, that'll stay in the memory for a long time. And the fact that we did something similar at the start of this season, Alan, obviously just shows that it's not... Obviously, we, we went to Ibrox and we won after that, but, you know, the, the semi-final was a little bit disappointing, the performance mm-hmm. there, but all that's been wiped away by that performance at the start of this season as well. Yeah, I think, obviously... We've got what, two left in the league against Rangers this season, so and the next one's at home. And you are kind of thinking, hopefully, as just setting a precedent, and that we just have that ability to overpower, be quicker, stronger, faster than Rangers. Um, so that would be nice if the trend continued because yes. well, I enjoy it, I enjoy it a lot actually. Um, and the more it happens, the the merrier. So it was good. I think it's the, the biggest compliment you can pay a game like that. It's it's probably a wee bit too early for me to put it into the, the vault, if you like, of the greatest. I like to leave like a good two years before it gets solidified there. But that is going to be one of the games that see in like 10, 15 years when you're sitting about having a couple of beers and you go, stick highlights for the, here's the game. That probably the 3-2 Ibrooks fairly recently with down to 10 men. Some there's games that just... Edward! Iconic. And um, yeah. I think that probably... It would be hard. Andrew would have to go a long way to beat that, but there's plenty of opportunities. Cup final coming up. That'd be nice. That's, I, was, I was tempting it, but you've just been out and outright said it. So I'm just saying there's a cup. That's all I said. There's a cup final coming up, which uh, make that a Wednesday night. See what happens. Unbelievable. Uh, lovely stuff. Let's get the opening question. It's uh, came in from Hannah. Uh, she starts by saying, "Just a bit of fun," as Gal would say. If you could pick one current Celtic player to join you on an episode of the weekly. Who would you pick and why? This is a very layered question. Is it about who's your favourite player? Is it about how they're going to react? Chris Armani, I'll come directly to you. Uh, if I had to pick one player to come on the weekly with me, it would be Aaron Moy because, you know, it would mean that I could still do a lot of talking. <laughs> you could do a lot. I mean, you could do a lot of talking. Yeah, yeah. You know, Aaron, what do you think? I was, was great. I bet. You were expanding that? No, not yeah, really. Not really. No. Um, Aye, Aaron Moy. I'm going to stick with Aaron Moy. <laughs> uh, yourself, Chris. Uh, Alan, sorry. Well, I, I failed to miss out the current part, so um, <laughs> you've my, 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 my main answer is him um, gone. So he was actually going to ask you, dead or alive? There, <laughs> I'll think on my feet. Um, Who was your answer though? Just tell us. Uh, well, I had two goalkeepers that I was torn between. Jesus Christ! I know one was Gordon Marshall because I thought I'd just be the opportunity to slaughter him, um, and then the other was Artaboric because. I just thought it'd be great fun because he's no ambition of being a manager, but the sounds of it, he would def- I would leave the car at home <laughs> and just bring a couple of cans and, just, in fact, take Friday Monday off work. Yeah. Uh, it'd be great. But um, Friday Monday off work. <laughs> current player, um, do you know? I think I would go. Yeah, go Carter Vickers. I just, I would, and I would ask him about that picture. Remember, 
after we beat Rangers, I can't mind which game, and he got pictured with the Rangers player, and every well, Rangers fans were kicking off about it, and they looked like they're sitting chatting, and he is literally just sitting scranning the big bowl of pasta, <laughs> and it just looked like he was just absolutely devouring it, no pain, and it just seemed like a man after my own heart, just wanted to get the meal done, get out of there, so... Uh, just for that reason, Caravacas, why not? Again, another great sort of... Um, I mean, they could be here. <laughs> they could be here right now because that's the sort of level of uh, insight you'd probably get from both of them. Um, well, it'd be better if it wasn't. If Hannah could maybe try and fix it so that we don't have to have a current player because current players will give us stock answers. Although Jota seems to... Well, Jota, like, I was going to say Jota because I think um, uh, we had Colin at the uh, Colin Kearney at the press conference. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. And Jota came across very well. Matt O'Reilly. I've changed it to a handsome man. And he's very eloquent and he, he seems to have a bit about him in regards to the art of conversation. So, yeah, good. I would I would say Jota. I'd also maybe say Starfield as well, just because he's heavy cool, man. I bet they wouldn't be as excited about this prospect than, I, than we are. <laughs> I'm not sure if we put in for it that they would accept. Um, Sorry, what? I'm going to somebody's back garden to sit and record a podcast. <laughs> Will there be security? <laughs> no. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> there, there will not be any security. Right, uh, Great question, Hannah. Thanks very much for that. Uh, we've got a little bit of news. Not, We've got a lot of great questions from uh, the listeners. Thanks to everyone who got in t- contact. Uh, we'll look over the Livingston game. Uh, we'll also look ahead to the St. Johnson game, but we've other, got other bits we can kind of talk about. Um, but Ange Postacoglu still expects Georges Giacomakis to leave Celtic. Here's some quotes from Ange. Uh, he was asked about if uh, where the situation was, if it was finished. No, it's still not finalised. People will be aware that obviously the markets are looking at him under deadline pressure. I expect a conclusion, but nothing is confirmed. Oliver Abelgaard is gone. Obviously, he's moved on, and there might be one or two more. This was before the window closed, I should say. Again, less likely now that the window shut. Ah, well, no, it's not. <laughs> Again, less likely now that the window shut. But from our perspective, I think it's been a real positive window for us in terms of what we try to achieve uh, and the strategy. I think from now on, we'll be settled. Um, there's probably a little bit of a support. Uh, uh, there's probably a little section of our support a little bit disappointed that there wasn't any excitement yesterday. I probably deflated a few people, but I just don't think um, people need to wait to the last minute. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, he obviously talks it. He goes on about the kind of strategy and stuff. But uh, are you surprised that Jack Mackis thing hasn't been done, Alan? Um, because we've been talking about this before Christmas, and obviously Atala- Atlanta, Atlanta. Atlanta, the MLS, I think, is opened till the end, I think, it's May, April, May, their window's open. Uh, Japan is till February. So there is still time for a deal to be done. Are you disappointed? doesn't really matter what our kind of thoughts are, but are you surprised it's not went through? Um, Probably not. I think when they don't have the same urgency um, in terms of getting the deal done very, very quickly, it's probably us that are more keen so that we can almost file it away and, you know, pay tribute to, to what he's done and do the tweets and the videos and things and he can say his goodbye. But um, I, I wouldn't expect there'd be any issues. I think he's fit. Um, so hopefully there wouldn't be any issues with a medical. Um, and, you know, MLS, I would imagine, very competitive in terms of his, um, you know, his, his wages there. And I think they, there was talk that they have to kind of shuffle things about a wee bit in order that they can, you know, presumably make him one of the higher earners at the club. So, no, I'm quite confident it will get done. Um, it looks like Atlanta's the, the favoured option. Um, so, I'll wish him well. I think he'll score a barrel there, to be honest, for a couple of years. So, I, I wouldn't 
to be honest, I'm not really thinking a great deal about it. I think when it gets announced, I'll be fine. I'm assuming he won't be part of any match day squads going forward, even if it's not done today or tomorrow. He won't take any part in the weekend. So, yeah. Chris, are you surprised that Abelgaard didn't get more of a chance? Um, I'm surprised on the basis of the pedigree or the pers- you know presumed pedigree that he had before he joined us. I mean, quite early, you know, I think yourself, Alan, yeah. and there was some other folk were questioning why he wasn't getting game time. And I uh, I was kind of a wee bit more relaxed and thought maybe it'll be a wee bit of time for him to get up to speed. But it then did come, you know, fairly early on that it looks as if this guy's not really going to kind of get a look in. So I, I'm not surprised, though, knowing Ange as a manager, because I think if something's quite clearly not working to the way um, he wants or expects it to, he doesn't hang around, you know. Edigucci's another example of a guy who, okay, he's had fitness problems, but it's another example of a player that if it's not you're not fit and it's not working, you're not going to get a look in. Julian, a guy I know he had these injury problems, but it's very quick, very quickly apparent that he had no future at the club. You know, I don't think I, I think that's a sign of a strong manager. There's no time for sentimentality. Um, if you cross him, <laughs> you're gone. And just quite um, literally, if you do not fit what he wants to do in the park, that's the end of that. So I'm quite glad the way that we moved them on. Same with Jens as well. I don't think there's any hard feelings there. I think it's just no, no. ruthless professionalism. It's almost like, listen, you need to play football. You're not going to play it here. Go and find another club. And there's every chance that Abelgaard, I mean, I don't really know how Verona play, but there's every chance he, he goes there and, you know, he, he makes a difference for them. It's just... You know, certain times, certain clubs, certain styles, they just don't click. Yeah, Al? Yeah, I think one of the interesting things now, we've had, what, three three windows under Ange? Four now? Four, that's um, the fourth, yeah. And obviously we've had The first one we didn't do much, to be fair. We had significant players in and we've had significant personnel out, but now you're starting to see guys at Ange or the club brought in being moved out. And I think other than Chris Julian, pretty much everyone that's went has been very respectful with their remarks and, you know, even kind of paying tribute. You know, I think you've seen Abogar's message and he thanked the, the manager and the club for getting him what he felt back to fitness. And I think it's quite interesting because there are a lot of players that aren't playing a lot of game time. And when a manager brings you in and you don't get game time, sometimes you could be a little bit miffed, especially as, you know, Samani says, you're not, you know, you're brought in and you don't get a chance. Because I think maybe a lot of players would look at that and say, well, I hardly get a chance. You know, I was training, but I didn't get games. But I, Apart from Chris Julian, there hasn't really been anyone that's kind of had a parting shot, if you like, which at the years of a Celtic, we've, we've had a lot of them. So I think there must be a, either good communication there, um, either between the, the club manager and the player, or there is just a really, really highly competitive dressing room there that players accept that they're maybe not going to make it and they don't really have any argument. They don't have any recourse because A, the team are winning and you know, that they're not going to get a look in. So I think that's quite positive and that's usually a kind of a good sign. So just a kind of wee aside, you know, given the amount of players that we've seen out the door now. See, in regards to how our uh, strategy, <clears throat> our strategy is in, in terms of transfers, and, you know, this has been covered in the Transfer Committee, which is uh, available at thecynic.co. Um, plenty of podcasts daily there if you're, if you're interested in signing up. Um, but... We talk about the transfer strategy and, you know, Ange seems to highlight what he wants and who he wants and we seem to really go after them and then if we don't get the first guy, we drop down to the second one. However, 
you know, there is a, still a certain level of pragmatism to the transfer strategy, which I think Matt O'Reilly was the, a, a key component of that, of someone we weren't necessarily going to bring in, but you bring him in because it's almost too good a gift to look. Mm-hmm. Do you think Abelgaard falls under that? Like, they've seen him, he was available. Um, obviously, with everything that's happening in Ukraine, coming from a Russian club, there was an opportunity. Do you think they've just went, ah, we'll chance it, he might, he might, be, might be good, maybe not. Almost, it's... No matter what happens, you can't, don't really lose out. Somehow. Yeah, man, I had Sabanovic at the same club at the same time. You're thinking, who have they got there? I mean, the Russian market, the, the Russian league, sorry, always had a couple of bob, you know, and, and certainly teams like Ruben Kazan and, and, and others. So they were able to attract players of a certain calibre um, and standard. So when that situation kind of arose with the, the the Russian league and things like that. I imagine we did look at that and think, you know, that's somewhere where we can perhaps pick up some bargains or some, some gems, you know, fairly risk-free. And the way they did it with Abelgard, especially at the start, we were all going, why have we not signed this guy on a permanent deal or whatever? But now we're looking at it and going, well, that makes sense. You know, we, we did that the way that we did, because it didn't even call it a loan. It was weird. It was like a year's contract out with his contract with Ruben Kinzan. yeah. So it's 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 a strange one, but um, it, it it I suppose it's, it's it shows that it's a good business sense to do that. We maybe took a a, a kind of shot at a guy of a certain caliber, but it just didn't quite work out here. And now he's moved on, you know, with absolutely no real cost to us. You know, um, we've got Awata, and you know, it's not like we're short in central midfield that we've made a mistake and we're going to have to carry that gap. So yeah, it it for me. It, when he came on for us, you know, we didn't really see enough of him, but I, I, I didn't look at Abelgard and think, you're hopeless or anything like that. I looked at him and thought, you don't look like a good fit for us, the way that we play football That's just what now. I thought, yeah. So, um, another looked, guy, best of luck, you know, go and do good stuff. <laughs> he, he seemed to be a guy like uh, who can break up play and really get in, the, you know, the, the face of other midfielders and all that, but not in this. I don't know, because we didn't see enough of him, really. And I mean, I think, to be fair, I think a lot of us thought that that's something that the team was missing, certainly in yeah. the Champions League. We probably still are, but what you need from a player that does that, he also needs to be able to pass the ball and move the ball well. Awata, hopefully, is the guy that can do that. Um, but that's, that, that's the thing. You've seen that skill set and you thought that could be really useful for us. But he just didn't have enough going forward in terms of his range of passing and things, based on what I'd seen of him. So, yeah, it's one of those ones. Cut our losses, no hard feelings. Once I sell, always I sell. That's what he says, you know. <laughs> uh, I love that. Um, see, in regard to, you know, we talk about the transfer strategy and all that um, and how important it is to be rigid, but also pragmatic potential signings that come out of nowhere, Alan, is something that probably we'll be looking at over the next, just going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I, to be honest, I, I don't know. I don't know why I made that noise. There. Sorry, it <laughs> <laughs> sounded like you were doubting him significantly. No, I, no. But anyway, continue. I, I think I, d- I don't think your transfer strategy. You do want to be rigid. If I'm well, from my point of view, I, I think there is a tendency that people like the idea that you sell players at the peak, um, make money, and then reinvest in younger players, and hope that those players get up to that level. And that's a good principle, but. It's not the only marker. You you will make signings that don't fit in that category. Good teams do that. Um, we it needs to be flexible. To be honest, I'm you know I'm thinking of the example of obviously Arsenal this week who definitely follow a kind of strategy signing. Yeah, you know a player that probably you know a World Cup winner, um, twelve million pounds. It's a great deal, but 
maybe resale won't be there, but and you know, similar for us, you've got the idea that you can buy players that don't fit into the idea of maybe, you know, that you're not going to sell them for four times their value. But that's fine. Um and I think there are players that will fit within that. I think we have followed a clear strategy and I like it, but not every sign will fit into it. And some you might like, some you might not like. Um I was I, talk- I was sorry, I was talking to my mate who's an Arsenal fan and we were talking about Jorginho and he was saying like he he doesn't like him as a player, but he also was saying, you know, we've gone for eighteen months and if he is the sort of not like almost like a wee insurance policy yeah. of you know we've got a couple of injuries in midfield. He's a little bit older, but eighteen months. We've got European games to navigate as well. So if we can guarantee if he comes in and he's just the wee security that you know plays twelve games, perfect. I, I think for us the one that would stand out would be Aaron Moy. Aaron Moy, who uh, you know he has exceptional form at the moment, um, and he's rightly getting applauded, but probably didn't fit into the strategy, and it's one that. Not dissimilar to, um, I think Ange said earlier in the week, that kind of fell into a lap. Um, and it certainly took him time to get up and running, but he's a player that now you're you're delighted that we brought in because even if it is just for one season, and I'm not saying it is or that I think it should be, but even if it is for one season, that's a great pickup. And that is someone that you're not going to, you're not going to sell him on. He's not going to make you money. Yeah. But do you know what I also quite like? Winning things. Yeah. <laughs> and having good players helps with winning things. So it's not about having one strategy and we will only sign players within that. And I think it's about being aware of that and being flexible enough to say, right, okay, we're not going to sign four or five players at Aaron Moy's age every year. But if one comes up and the manager thinks it'll work, it's low risk. Why would you not? Because see if you go, if a manager says, you know, I fancy bringing this player in and you say it's a free transfer or a very nominal fee, and you say to him, nah, it doesn't fit with your transfer strategy, move on. The manager will take that very clearly as a, all right, okay, that's fine. Um, so it is about being, being flexible. It's about having an, an overarching approach, but having flexibility within that. And given our budget, then, you know, there will be other armoys. Some of them will be good. Some of them will be really bad. But success in the transfer market is never 100%, and no club gets it right 100% of the time. So, you know, it's about... It's about having that kind of that general approach, but having flexibility within. So, yeah, I, I think actually the opposite of being rigid is important in the transfer market. Chris, yeah, I mean, on Moy, he is. You know, the, the, if you're talking about the transfer strategy, he's obviously somebody who who doesn't fit into that. But even as a player, you know, people would say he's not an Ange type player. Well, he clearly is an Ange type player because Ange knows what he can do, knew exactly what he was got getting when he signed him. And he's came in and he's proved not only like doubters at the start, but he's proved a lot of people wrong who kind of wrote him off before the World Cup, you know. So I'm happy to put my hand up and say I completely wrote him off, but I'm fully on board. So it's not it's not even about pointing the finger at guys because I think I was quite positive on him. But it's about saying <laughs> it's about <laughs> it's a lovely wee pat in the, pat in the head there, very nicely done. I also, I also was very excited at the signing of James McCarthy, Evander Snow, <laughs> and numerous others who didn't quite work out. So, but I suppose it underlines the point there that that Alan makes, and, and even going back to what we said earlier on with our transfer strategy, and, and, and if something falls in our lap, it's you know. You have to be flexible in it because he will give you something. He's given us something different that, you know, if you were being rigid, would say he's not the type of midfielder we need to play in this system. You know, and even his system, it's an overarching approach that he got and he's got and he wants to do. But within that, there is a room and scope and option for change because quite obviously footballers aren't identicates of each other. You know, you'll get 
players that have got certain attributes and things like that. But even somebody who's comfortable bringing the ball in in the inverted fullback role, you know, two left backs that do that will play the game differently. So it's 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 not completely rigid, and I think that's important to to, to bear in mind in terms of um, who we bring in. And one final point. Oof. Jorginho, you did refer to him earlier as a World Cup winner. Unfortunately, he didn't win the World Cup. He cost his country oh. a place at the World Cup by missing a penalty against Switzerland. Which but he's a U- I was thinking Euros. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry. You made an ass of it. I, 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 I mean, he's international football. Yeah, you've embarrassed yourself in front of it was, it, was, it was less about digging you up more than calling Jorginho out for missing that penalty. He also missed one in the final with the Euros. Oh, sorry, and we could also point out that they did beat England in the final. They did. No thanks to of Jorginho. the Euros. <laughs> Uh, we got a question from Troy. Uh, Hi, Cynics. Ange's transfer policy is to sell at the right time, make a profit and upgrade. I like AJ a lot, but not sure he will ever be up be an upgrade on Juranovic. If not, then should should we have spent more and invested more of the money from Juranovic into a replacement? What do you think? Um, I'll give my point of view on that. I think. Oh. oh yeah. Very oh. early. Uh, I just think that because I, I absolutely adore. Juranovic, uh, I loved him when he was here and uh, I think he's a guy I hope he goes on and has uh, great success um, left very well as well in regards to how he went about it and everything. I think we maybe underestimate how good he was sometimes in regards to bringing a player like him in and I, I'm not necessarily, it's almost like uh, let's go and get another Juranovic I don't think Juranovic is growing trees and I think maybe people uh, I'm not saying this about Troy and I'm not saying about like anyone specifically I, th- I sometimes do this as well where I think let's just go and get another version of that guy and in reality it's not that simple so um, uh, you know the jury is still out in uh, Alistair Johnson uh, the, the signs are positive um, but we'll, I think he's a guy that probably needs to the end of the season to see where where he kind of sits in that kind of sphere of, of Juranovic but I don't think he'll be as good as Juranovic and I don't think there's anything wrong with that what's your guys thoughts? You don't get first choice Croatian international right backs from the Polish league very often. Yeah. The Juranovic situation was something that shocked and excited most of us at the time when people, you know, when we were picking him up from Legia and he came in and he was quite clearly involved in the Croatian setup. I mean, I think at the time I and others used it, you know, were saying this appears too good to be true. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with him? <laughs> yeah. There's, why are we paying two and a half million quid to a guy that's playing in Poland, you know, um, and, and playing at that level internationally? Now, I think what we did see is there are some flaws to his game. You know, we've we, we seen that. We have seen him, talked about it earlier on, his performance in that 3-0 game was absolutely unbelievable. There's a bit of recency bias with his performance at Ibrooks that maybe kind of dips down how good he was and how good he could be for us. Um, so, yeah... I, I, I would agree with Troy in terms of saying I don't think he'll ever be as good as Juranovic Johnson, but we can't go out, we're not the type of club, we're not going to regress to the point where, well, let's take Rodgers for an example. He wanted another right back and he pinpointed Castagne at £9 million. We're not going to do that. I don't think that we should do that. So we went for a guy who is far from the finished article, he's got raw attributes, um, and we're going to try and bring him on and mould him going forward. There's no way you, you know, going out and getting a calibre, a Juranovic calibre right back who can walk straight into the team would be really, really difficult and it would cost us too much to get somebody like that. So I can see why we went for, for Johnson. I think the jury's out. There's part of me that thinks, you know, sometimes he's 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 maybe not comfortable receiving the ball. I think you said that last week, actually, and it was quite clear last night at times that was the case. 
what he's got that Juranovic doesn't have. I think he's more aggressive. I think he's stronger. You know, there's there's parts to his game that I like, and there's parts to his game that I don't like. But I can understand why we've went from him. We'll see how he develops going forward. But I think that in that position we were a wee bit spoiled with the caliber that we had. Uh, yeah, and yeah. you know, we've we've gone for Johnson. Any new signings are a, a risk. Obviously, one that comes from the MLS hasn't played in Europe before carries an extra risk. So. Yeah, it, I'm still not convinced by him yet, but I'm prepared to see where he'll go. But I can understand why we took a, a chance on a signing like that. Alan, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think the 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 point about Juranovic is is worth making. He's as close to a plug and play signing you'll get. Yeah, but of a really high standard, and pretty much from the moment he came in, he was you know he, he was excellent. Um, so it's going to be difficult to replace that. I'm, I think I'm maybe a little bit more up on Johnston than, and I don't think I, you know, I think the point Troy's made, Samani's made. I think a lot of people are maybe at that kind of, you know, stage of looking and thinking, you know, maybe a wee bit more quality. And, and I do agree. I think in three months' time, I would expect a lot more from him than I do now. But I, I think he's got a lot of the the attributes that you probably want. I think, and and I think this is maybe part of the point. I think if he was a Celtic fullback in any other era or any other system, I think you would absolutely love to have him because I think he's an improvement on Juranovic in certain regards. And I think over time we'll see that. The one thing that might be just a bridge too far from him is just that quality on the ball. Um, and that again, that's not to say he won't get better, but whether he gets to the standard of Juranovic being able to pick a ball that's coming out there, trap it, and move it on immediately at high speed. Yeah. That is just elite level football. Um, but Juranovic had flaws in his game as well, and we've seen those flaws. I think Johnston might not have those same flaws defensively. It's whether he's got the same quality going forward mm. that I think you might see. But I think for the money we've spent on him, I, I don't look at it and think, I don't think for a second that Johnston will be a failure as a signing. Whether he hits those heights might be a question, but I don't think I would have any doubt that he will be a consistent player. I think... I think his energy, his drive, it's whether he can have that quality, but at the age he's at, the kind of experience he's got, I think he's maybe a year or two behind what you would generally expect from a 23-year-old, but I think he's still got that development to do. So I, I'm definitely, I, I'm, I'm quite positive on him, to be honest. I like what I've seen. And I think between now and the end of the season, there's a lot of growth there. So um, I think we're all certainly leaving it open, but I think in the summer, I, I don't think we'll be... I don't think we'll be in the market to buy a first choice right back in the summer. That's positive. I mean, just could going back in Juranovic and you know the the, the kind of impact he had as a, a forward player, and you know you touched on it. You know the way that he could bring the ball out there and kind of move it forward quickly. In this system, I think Greg Taylor is a perfect example that f- fullbacks are comf- you know more comfortable coming in. They don't need to be that flashy. There's other players that can do that. They really need just to be comfortable in the ball and very functional and steady. I think we get that with Taylor. I don't. We're not there yet with Johnson, and I think it's a good point about development in terms of the fact of where he came from. But he should look at Greg Taylor as the model for how he wants to develop going forward. Greg Taylor was never a flashy footballer, still not a flashy footballer, totally written off by a lot of the Celtic support, most of the Celtic support. Struggled at the start, you know, it took a lot, quite a long time to find his feet, Greg Taylor, but he's one of the first names in the team sheet yeah. just now. He's not a guy, I mean, we'll obviously talk about his, his, his goal last night, and you know, he's, he's still not a guy who is 
really, really flashy. He just really is a, a, a complements the system, complements the way that we want to play, and should just be saying, "Look, follow that model," you know, and 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 then we'll, we'll see how he develops. But that's that's something that he could emulate. And um, as as Alan says, three months from now, you'll expect more. It's a, a development path, but um, it's you know. There's a track record there. On uh, Troy's point about should we have invested more money, see if we get to May, June, and Johnson's maybe not what Ange wants. He'll just get, he will. I know you're saying, in your opinion, and I'm, I'm probably similar, that we'll get to June and he will have improved to the point where he's settled into the system and he knows how he's working. Great. If he doesn't know, like like we've talked about with Abelgard and with all these players, Ange will just get someone else. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the almost the beauty of it, right? Al? Yeah, and that's the point I made as well. I don't think... I think he's a player that a, a lot of teams would like to have. I mean, the the point that we're kind of making there, and maybe I could have made it earlier, is that if jo- if Brendan Rodgers had the option of bringing in Johnston in 2018, he probably that would have been a great option for him because it's a player that is suited to maybe he's more a more traditional fullback. And if you could have swapped out Michael Lustig for Asda Johnston, it would have been an improvement on that team. Not a criticism of Lustig just at the kind of age he was at, you could bring in that profile, a player more dynamic up and down the line because I think that's what he's good at. Anyone that watched Canada at World Cup would see that actually he's really good going forward, but it's more when he's driving up the line. I think we talked about that last week. So as, as someone says, it's about that adjustment to coming inside. And I think the point he makes about Taylor on the other side is valid. It is a difficult adjustment. You might not thrive in the same way, but over time you can improve. He might, he might not, but I think he's got a lot of, bit, a lot of ability. And as you say, you know, if it didn't work out, I, th- I think the summer might be a bit soon, but I think over time, I, I think he's a player that you'd be fairly confident of him, either A, being a successful player here, or B, moving on and making roughly your money back because he's, he's got a profile, he's got a lot of abilities that other managers would like. So I, 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 it's not a sign I'm particularly worried about at this point. Just very, very quick point on the inverted fullback role. I, I think it would probably be fair to say, in terms of senior Anovic for Croatia, that He's more comfortable as a traditional right back. I think the inverted role was probably a wee bit alien to him. Obviously, he adapted uh, very well to it over the over the piece. But it is different, you know. When you come in as a fullback, and you're expected then to come in and move, you know, receive the ball in the middle of the park and essentially be an auxiliary central midfielder at times. That's that's alien for folk that have have, have generally been, you know, born and bred fullbacks. So there is going to be an adjustment time, uh, adjustment period. Sorry, and if he doesn't step up to the mark. Yeah right, girl. Out the door. <laughs> I, I I don't know that this may be just a, an interesting point when someone says born and bred fullbacks. I, I don't know Johnson's journey. Taylor's was a little bit different. He played in other areas of the park. If you have grown up and you've been playing as a fullback your kind of whole time, largely, you know, since you've been playing professional or semi-professional level, um, potentially for Johnston, and you've played that position, at most times everything is within your line of vision on the park, you can see everything from where you generally are. If you receive the ball, though, in Celtic Park, you know, you think, I sit really high up in the Jockstein stand, and you step inside and you receive the ball in that centre circle, it's entirely different from the ball being shuffled out to you from a centre half, because immediately, now, we didn't get pressed particularly hard last night, but when it comes to the big games at Celtic Park, that ball, you need to scan, you need to have checked both sides maybe once or twice before that ball comes to you, so that when it comes to you, you know what to do. That is something that good players will do, but doing it at that kind of tempo, that speed, and against good players is something that does take a bit of practice and takes development. So, as I say, Johnston might not get to that stage where he is good at it, but 
I, th- I think there's enough raw ability there that would certainly um, there's no concerns a couple of matches in, but it is entirely different, I think, for someone trying to take that role on. Unless you were maybe a centre midfielder that gets shunted out, if you've played fullback your whole life, it's not something you're naturally always doing. So, you know, we can at least give him half a season. <laughs> um, I want to. We're going to talk about the Livingston game yesterday, but uh, we had Colin Kearney at the press conference on uh, Tuesday, and uh, Colin asked uh, a couple of tactical questions of uh, Ange, and I just want to bring this up because I think it's quite relevant in regard to the potential to change formation and uh, the idea of kind of current trends and changing stuff. So this is uh, this is the question uh, Colin asked, and this was the answer from Ange. And speaking of that kind of evolution, you've talked about recent signings perhaps giving you more flexibility uh, trying out different formations. Um, two things we've not really seen from you at Celtic is starting with three centre-backs or starting with two central strikers. Um, why do you prefer not to play in that way? And will we maybe see some tactical changes of this type uh, with new signings? Again, it's not, you know, I think if you look back through my career of you know, I've played with three centre-backs, I've played with two holding midfielders, you know, I've played a whole season without a central striker. Um, so I've never been fixed to one formation. Um, I guess the consistency in that is that I've had success in just about all of them. Um, and for me, it's just about evolving the team in the manner that I think is the most effective to where, you know, the current football trends are, I think. I've been managing for 26 years and through that football's changed and it's constantly changing. You know, it's constantly evolving. The way teams analyse oppositions now is different. Uh, <clears throat> the way they set up key components of, of opposition tactics, uh, um, you know, uh, are evolving as well. So, you know, for me, it's, I've never been fixed to one s- sort of formation. If anything, I'm hoping what eventually you get, you get to is that, um, you don't really see much of a formation. And I think if you look at us now, I know you're saying we don't play with two strikers, but, you know, if if somebody can show me when the ball's out wide that we are not we haven't got two strikers in the box, um, winger and striker, then, you know, um, that's why we're getting so many goals, you know. Um, so we don't have really a back four. You, you know, yeah, we don't have three central defenders, but sometimes we've got... Yeah, three players in the build-up again. Um, so it's for me, it's never been about sort of fixed positioning, and um, I think as football evolves, and certainly as long as I'm managing for the rest of my short career, um, you know, I'm I'm constantly trying to you know create teams that are a lot more fluid in their positioning than just people saying, well, you need two strikers or three strikers. Uh, you know, we need four or five players in the box every time the ball's in there. That's that's what's more important than how many players you sort of line up in, in a striking position. Um, that was a, a Colin asking Andrew a question at the press conference. Um, you can listen to the entire press conference if you go to our website. It's free to everyone. Uh, if you go to thecynic.co, you'll be able to listen to the entire thing. Um, and also, if you go to thecynic.co, you can find out about signing up um, f- from, a, from a monthly um, subscription and, uh, yeah, get involved. Plenty of stuff. What did you make of the answer? Um, it was a good question. Um, what did you make of the answer? I thought it was interesting. Um, I just had visions of a generation of coaches that have kind of grown up you know, a bit more tactically aware maybe than the predecessors, screaming shape to guys <laughs> in a part that probably wondered why they weren't doing drills, but were standing with no ball, working in shape. And um, I think I think Ange does embrace. I think 
the intelligence of his players to understand situations and not be as rigid and fixed as maybe other teams. Um, and that, that comes with having good players and like, there's a league dynamic to it that I know has been brought up a lot this week. And I think you can trust your players if you believe in them. Um, you can give them a bit more freedom and flexibility than teams who are trying to prevent and trying not to embrace that exact chaos that... Um, we try and create with the energy, with the quality we have. Um, but I thought it was very interesting, and I do largely agree. It's very important that you're set up well, particularly, I think, from a defensive point of view. I think it is very important that players know where they should be and that shape is really important. I do think there is a slight tendency to over-fixate on particularly shape as opposed to formation. Uh, and that's maybe a, a very subtle difference there, but I think it, there is a real tendency that we become just fascinated sometimes by the way the team let's like, set up and how we imagine it if the ball is in the centre circle where everybody will be when in actual fact it changes throughout um, so I thought it was interesting but it's I think about it from a more defensive point of view whereas I think Ange is always thinking about it from an attacking sense which yeah. is, is a, a different way of thinking and it's it's always interesting to hear but it's it, I'm not a big fan of press conferences as I've said many many times on here but very occasionally you do get quite an interesting take and you, you get a nice snip of information that keeps you alert as opposed to talking about budgets, injuries, etc. Budgets. Pre- uh, press conferences, I was scared when I'm with Lennon. <laughs> yeah. uh, Chris, um, before we move on to the Livingston game, just on that kind of answer that Ange uh, said about, you know, formations and how he's never um, kind of, he's changed his formations and stuff. Could you see a change in formation uh, moving forward? Maybe not this season. Maybe we talked about it on the agenda on Monday uh, quite in, in quite a bit of detail. What's your kind of take on it? Could you see him going to a back three? Um, he seems fairly open to changing something if he sees it's the right thing to do. Yeah, I did. I'm, I'm a listened to the agenda available at the cynic.co. <laughs> very good, very good. Oh, somebody's getting a wee gold star this <laughs> Five. What is it Paul Callan used to say? £21 to me. Um... Yeah, I mean, possibly, and, and, and again, having listened to, to, to Alan and Kieran on the agenda, I think if he was looking to do that, it might be mindful of Europe as opposed to what we're doing domestically because what he's doing domestically works, you know. Yeah. And it's not about raising it to the next level um, here. It would be with one eye and being, I don't know, more balanced or, or more um, less open in the, in Europe um, going forward. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure it's something he's actively considering. Um, but if it's something that can, we kind of tried to bed in, I imagine that would be the reason for it. Um, yeah, and again, personally, I wouldn't be against it either. I don't think, um, again, it goes back to that point that we made earlier on. Ange Ball, that, you know, Ange-type players, you know, there's a fluidity to it. He, I think the, the core fundamentals for, for Postacoglu is... He wants to play quick, attacking and exciting football and he won't kind of back down from that. The manner in which that's kind of got to and the manner in which he plays, I think, is open for debate. So I, it's possible, but I'm not sure it's something that's immediately on the horizon. You know, over the last sort of 18 months that he's been here, when people have said, do you think he'll change his formation? In the back of my head, it's all, for me, I've always thought it's a rigid no, he won't, he'll go 4-3-3. Over the last couple of weeks, it's been like, well, Maybe he will. You maybe will. And as we just talked about in the agenda, as we you know, he mentioned as spoke to Colin in the press conference, if he sees it's the right thing to do and it's what he wants to do and you know, if he's got players with different attributes that he can fit into a different type of system, I think he will. So interesting. Um, four four two. That's it. 
Big Man and Kyogo. Big Man and the wee man. That's, that's, what, that's what we're after. That's <laughs> absolutely what we're after. Uh, Celtic uh, took on Livingston yesterday. We had a resounding 3-0 victory. Uh, all goals came in the first half. Uh, 29 minutes, Greg Taylor scored. Uh, Maida scored in the 33rd minute and Kyogo scored in the 47th minute. Um, Alan, you were at the game. We were all at the game. What was your kind of uh, thoughts on the game overall? I thought it was really good. Um, first half, largely. I think the second half is very, very different. But I, I thought we... It was another of those games where it felt very early on like it was going to be a good day. Yeah. Um, that opportunities were coming. We were moving the ball quite smoothly, quite quickly. Um, maybe just the quality at times wasn't quite there in certain moments. But The final third, the points in the first half. Yeah, and... But I think the key is it getting into the positions, and it's maybe a cliche, but see when you are getting into those areas, you do fancy is, um to, if you can get in, you know, early doors, and I think particularly down the left-hand side, I thought we were getting into really threatening areas. There was a wee bit of frustration in the crowd, it felt like, about crosses from the byline, but you do have to realise as well that Livy are just shutting off the front post and then trying to shut off anything. Yeah. Um so you are trying to be creative and not just hit the first man every time. So cutbacks, back post, front post. And Maida was getting in at that position constantly. He really did give, um, was it was it Devlin at fullback? He gave him a really, really tough time. And I just felt from very early on that it was going to be a positive. And it's a case of then, it then becomes a case of not when are we going to turn the screw. It's a case of then when are we going to get the first goal? Because you get the first goal, I have a lot of confidence in this team. Um, especially at Celtic Park, a form there has been... Simply superb, and I think we've not had. I was speaking before the game yesterday, just on the way down. We've not maybe had those kind of memorable days at Celtic Park like last year. Obviously, aside from you know the, the slightly bigger games, we haven't had the kind of three-two Dundee United. You know the the late drama, which is hellish but also incredible. But we are just we we're really really ruthless, um, and teams are finding it extremely difficult. I think it was on the weekly last week we were talking about. Teams really are coming here not to get Lose. killed. Yeah. Um, and I think that told me Levy last night. There was frustration. A guy a couple of rows in front just couldn't believe that Levy were 2-0 down and time-wasting. And you, you can only take it as the way it is. It's, it's just a kind of mark of respect. Teams are aware that it's not a case of, right, lose a goal, and then we'll see if we can get back into it. It's, you know, make sure you don't get killed because managers can lose their jobs. You know, eight, nine nothings are the kind of thing that get chairman's attention. So... First half, I thought we were really good, really positive. Second half is very different, of course, but really good. And I've got a lot of confidence in us to continue that form for another however many games until it becomes a tipping point to win in the league. I'm trying not to tempt fate, so I'm okay, talking talk, talk, talk in riddles, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. You're, you're doing a good job. Um, <laughs> Chris, who, uh, what impressed you about tonight? Any players impress you? Do, what was your favourite goal? Talk us through your thoughts. Um, I agree. I mean, I thought the performance was excellent. I mean, I, I, I thought we looked really dangerous. So dangerous that they got 448,000 stewards out to make things safe towards the end. That That's was weird. It was very bizarre. Uh, anyway, never mind. Um, first half, I thought we were excellent. You know, we got, we were carving them open. We got a few opportunities. And I'm I'm quite bad for this. If we don't take them, one of them right away, I start to think, oh, this is going to be one of those nights. But, um, <laughs> first minute. <laughs> first minute, I No, seriously. Um, but then very quickly, you know, we got you know, we got our nose ahead and then we got the, the second and the third and the game was done. The second half was um, 
like it was a bit of a pint and slippers job. It was then just taking players off, getting some players on, avoiding injury because the game was already won. And as everybody says, Livingston had no real intention of coming and 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 and, and kind of kind of keeping it as tight as possible and, and minimising the goal. So, yeah. I, you said it, we said it before we came on. I'm pleased I went last night. That's one of those midweek games, you know, pissing down the rain, you know, cold in the winter that it's dead easy not to go to. Uh, not pointing the finger at him that it didn't go, you know, we've all we've all not went to those games. But um I think there was just desserts for going along to see a performance like that. It's a game that's always in the back of your mind that they can be quite sticky. Not a good away record against them, generally speaking. The nil nil last year. Uh, Jackie Marcus. Good riddance. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Complete U-turn. <laughs> Love it. Check him out, put it um, So it always, it's always in the back of your mind that that's quite a... a, a, oh, a, a, a you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Banana skin. Potential banana skin. There we go. Um, but yeah, we put that to bed fairly early and it's just a case of, right, St. Johnson, Sunday. So I think you'd also mention my favourite goal, Kyogo. You just can talk about the goal. I'm not going to explain it. It was a pure <laughs> heavy, heavy belter of a goal. Well, it was good job. It was the don't get me. It was thoroughly checked, thoroughly checked for its legality. Maybe the maybe the VAR official just wanted to watch it a few times. See, probably uh, not. But you know. see, see when the, when the ball broke to him and he was he basically just kind of squared the the defender up and then just ran at him. It just where I sit, I sit really f- kind of far back. But you could just see it. as soon as the ball goes to him, I just thought, go, go, yeah. go, push it, push it, and it was just, just. There are times when Kyogo, his quality, I think, really, really shines through. And yesterday was that, uh, uh, just glorious. Just Sometimes uh, Celtic player scores a goal and you just get a wee warm feeling inside, like, excellent, brilliant. He, oh, he's pointing at me, he looks like the player that we were concerned they might not be. You know, go back a month or so in the podcast and we were talking about, certainly at Champions League level, we need somebody of a higher calibre than Jackie Marcus and potentially Kyogo. Both of us said he can be that player. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, caveat that. We didn't write him off. And I'm still not saying that he is there, but he certainly looks more like that guy, you know, that player who's able to add that wee bit of magic and he's finishing recently has just been out of this world. I've, I've, I, you know, I've came to the realisation that I don't need him to be that guy for 90 minutes. All I need him to be that guy is for flashes within that game. See... Like those flashes of quality, if he gives us two or three a game and we get one goal out of those two or three flashes of quality, that's enough for me. I think my expectations of what he was going to be like after last season were maybe like coming on the cup final. This is going to sound ridiculous, but it's like he was a superhero. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, like he was injured, he comes on and he scores those two goals. And it's kind of like my expectations of what he was going to be like for 90 minutes in games, probably unrealistic. I, I don't think it's, I think last year he was. To be honest, oh, I think yeah. it's the team don't need them the same way they did last year. Mm. Like when it wasn't a team last year, we didn't look quite the same. Yeah, um, good point. Whereas this year, I think the standards better, the team are better. You maybe don't the team have risen to his quality. Yeah, you, yeah. you don't need maybe that same. I mean, it's good if he could do it; that would be great. But I think the team has moved on a little bit, and with that, then the rely having to rely entirely on kind of one player to have those moments of magic is maybe not quite the same or it can just be a moment of magic from one of the other guys so I I, I think you're kind of I think you're right but it's more about the team just on the goal last night I, there is nothing better than see when a defender misjudges like a kind of ball 
the excitement level just goes <laughs> through the roof. <laughs> the, and again, just to join <laughs> uh, Samani's caveat, the caveat being that it's not a Celtic player because that's the key. Too many times, and the, the two guys that come to mind with long balls and just misjudging. Gary Caldwell. Gary Caldwell and Steve McManus. Anything over 20... Nah, ten anything over ten feet in the air, and you were just saying he's no idea where that ball is. <laughs> not a clue. Benfica away. His Benfica de- depth away. perception stopped at like ten foot. For Gary Caldwell with the massive head, it's quite surprising. Isn't Gary it? Gary Caldwell was still an expert though in completely misjudging the flight of a ball and turning. Didn't matter who it was, and giving them a look that said it was all fucking down to you. <laughs> He's, he's, I mean, I defend somebody's right to do that. You may ask you something, you never stand there and take the blame. You fucking, you find the weakest person and you immediately pin it on them. Who's the rookie? Yeah. Like Boric did with Naylor. Um, exactly. It's just a hierarchy of hard men. That's what that is. <laughs> Very quick shout though. Uh, Starfelt stumbled last night that had, uh, tripped, when they hit the he post. Tri- he tripped. So. Oh, he tripped? Uh, I haven't seen it back, to be fair, since last night. It didn't look like a foul at the time. It was but, a foul as well. Was it, it a looked, foul? Like? I thought it looked. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just really liked that. Now somebody, Who's hopefully, somebody's rewatched it back in some sort of preparation, but <clears throat> it, it looked clumsy. Um, but you know what? See when you're one and three, nothing you kind of care. Less. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't looking to focus on it. I was just talking about uh, defensive. I uh, hear you are. You Calamis. were saying you would have him in here as well. No, he did. Oh, was it you? That's why he was backing him up. He was fouled and he was tripped. It'd be fucking awkward if he was sitting there. I mind you made an ass of that <laughs> last night and that, that, that absolute 3 0 walkover we had. Uh, uh, we were at a Celtic FC women's game and uh, Starfelt was there and seen like up close and personal, he is a handsome man. Oh, that don't, is a don't, chiseled don't jaw. Don't do that for a second. Oh, He's not one you'd be asking for your picture with, is he? Although I have Maybe to say. You don't want to see that. It was November time, it was freezing and uh, he didn't have socks on. Can do what you like. Soon you're that handsome. You can do what you like. Yeah, uh, he didn't have socks on. Yeah, yeah. You're a bit fussy there. Aren't you, Chris? <laughs> Imagine seeing that picture, Carol. Can I get a picture? And then you just look at it and you're like, "Fucking hell!" Yeah. Pick, you look, you look like an ogre. You look like um, uh, Danny uh, DeVito, and it's always sunny from Philadelphia when he's coming out of the couch. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Just you look a great scene. Just like that. Uh, get a question from Ken, uh, our good friend Ken. Are we the only team that gets VAR checks for every goal and twice for Kyogo? Uh, he also says O's warm up is fantastic a joy to watch press ups and more so Ken must sit where uh, the kind of Celtic players uh, warm up press ups and more love it um, what about the VAR the VAR check for the Kyogo's goal I know that I know like you know I mean I think we touched we briefly touched on it but have, you, see, have you seen the like the, the one of the, the, the stills where like yeah, Kyogo's yeah. get two guys in front of him yeah yeah you know, I've seen that I mean I suppose you you know you can't a lot of the times from stills you can't tell too much that did look telling but I, I seem to th- think remember in my head that he was in his own half yeah it, it looked he it, it did look like he was in his own half and I don't mind him quickly checking it's the fact that come up saying we're yeah, checking right, yeah. surely there's a hierarchy of or we're just glancing to make sure and then there is that oh no we think it might be so we're going to check I mean it was comical in the stadium when it came up again. checking for a foul and it's like nah there's foul. no foul check for an offside it just, it just looks like they were running through yeah. <laughs> you know can everything we can we get them for anything aye I mean, is, like. is, is, is Kyogo's work permit up to date you know it's like they were just looking for stuff to kind of check I mean we should they did give the goal at least so that there is an improvement <laughs> <laughs> thank you please thank you sir yeah. We have another one. Uh, Craig Taylor scored a fantastic goal. To be fair, yeah, um, yeah. really, really great, well worked goal. He again, he's just um, 
he's just consistent. He's, as you say, one of the first names in the team sheet, but um, really good finish. See, from that, I forgot to take my glasses to the game last night. <laughs> <laughs> he's not got a clue what happened. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and I was at the entire other end of the stadium. Just setting the scene here for you. Um, I've got, you know, I've got glasses for driving distance, generally, just, you know. So I don't wear them all the time. Not currently wearing them. Galas, just to <laughs> put, <laughs> put, put, he just politely called you Specky. Put yeah. the, put put the listeners. Um, I'm massively Specky. Individuals. So. Um, and I've said all this shite just to say that it, the way it was struck, the way that it went in. At first thought, uh, first glance, I thought it was McGregor, which is um, the, a compliment. The, 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 it's a big compliment <laughs> yeah. in terms of the technique and mm-hmm. in terms of the way he scored and, and and how good it was. Then when it turned out it was Greg Taylor, I went. Very nice, Greg. <laughs> well done, Greg. That's Greg, a great finish. <clears throat> on yourself, son. On yourself, son. Great finish, Al. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, he's getting himself in amongst the goals. So and, and against Livingston, because he scored against. Uh, I was going to say Almond, Almondvale. Was not Almondvale, that, was it? Um, no, that, that last night was a, a really clean strike. Side netting's always a you get extra points for side netting. Aye, absolutely. Um, in regard to, it was good to see Awata get some time. It was good to see O get some time. Then, obviously, I think the the game had kind of, as you mentioned about teams, kind of just almost wanting to just accept a defeat mm. and not necessarily press out. But any any kind of notes or comments on on them coming on? I just need to watch out for O's warm up. He'll be uh, he'll be high up in the drugs test post match <laughs> if he's if he's doing <laughs> press up during the warm up. What, what, any any kind of comments or oh. it was it was unfortunate. I think he was very very close to not to maybe just a if he was half a shoe size bigger, he might get his uh, his opener at Celtic Park. Um, he played, it was it, quite. It was quite. I thought, the game I thought is it was quite, dead. It was the quite game. deep at points. I think he wants to get involved in the play. I don't yeah. think he's. I don't think he's just playing in the last shoulder and hoping that the ball falls over the top. I think he's willing to move into other areas. So I think um, he does what all players that are young and want to impress do sometimes maybe just doing a lot more and experienced players sometimes just centre themselves and but that's your job when you're coming on you're a sub you want to impress and clearly in his um, when he was speaking to the media after signing he wanted to get involved and get involved quickly so for a striker the way they mark themselves as goals so he'll be dying to get amongst it but it does look like a player that He's just going to come straight in and I, I think he'll be in amongst the goals. Just looking at his movement, his sharpness, trying a little bit too hard, maybe just simplify it and he'll you know, be in amongst them very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one thing before we move on, Samani, is the fact that it's, you know, Maeda scored again, uh, Taylor came up with a goal as well. Kind of scored again. <laughs> I mean, it came off of him. His face had to be there, Chris. His exactly. face had to be it's there. All about He's like the Celtic game. Uh, HR department here try to take, <laughs> try to take the goal bonus off uh, only counts technically we'll, get, we'll, give, you really we'll give you half we'll give you half but it's good that we have goals throughout this team as opposed to just relying on one player and that, that's really important that's terrific yeah <laughs> I like I like it when there's one guy see, see when uh, see when Henrik scored 53 that season I fucking loved that that's no, what it's about aye, but also, I score the goals you stop them getting in everybody knows their jobs <laughs> you pass nice to me. and simple all joking aside, no, there is something about that talisman, you know, that, that that's great. Huh? That you love it because as a support, we love to kind of, you know, hero worship. Hero worship, yeah, certainly. You know, the, 
Edward, you know, Dembele, all the strikers over the years. I mean, we still do that, we will still do that, but you do need, you know, you can't rely. If, if Kyogo was the only one scoring goals and he goes through a dry patch, you No, of course, worried. of course. And you used to talk about, even when you had, like, um, Henrik back in the day, you always talked about a midfielder getting at least 10 goals from midfield to kind of supplement that, you know. See, if you've got goals throughout the team, it does take that pressure off. Um, I would much rather have that than that, although... You know, as a support, as I say, we do like the hero worship, and we do we we do like that um, sort of it. But it's a sign of a much more balanced team and a much more balanced system, if you will, if you've got goals that are kind of spread across the the side. And small point on O as well. Early days, we don't know what he's you know how he's going to fit in or how he's going to react, kind of moving um, to Scotland. But he looks like a guy who could bring players in more than mm. Jack Amakis did, and more than Kyogo did to maybe supplement. Yeah, you yeah, know, that's a good more point. goals from wider in the team. So, yeah, it's it's good to see. Um, it's good to you, you know have that non-reliance, shall we say, on one player um, going forward. Yeah. Just the last thing from the game, as I mentioned, I had I didn't watch sports scene last night. Um, it looked like Maeda was getting himself involved about last night. And I loved that. I don't mean just uh, Maury's tackle that he got booked for, but because yeah. people in the stadium say that's his first foul, and it's like that's a guy that I think was giving him a. a but before and it wasn't long after. I fucking love that. I think he, I think he too. Like the one he got booked for, and then there was one up at uh, their right back position where he, I don't think he actually made contact. But I remember. I thinking, don't think there was much in that one because that was at my side. All right, okay. Um, but at least he's, there was nothing to see. It's just um, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Snidness is good. I'd, I'd quite like that. I, I did. So I, I rate all round performance from last night. Great stuff. Uh, just uh, probably pick him actually. Come and sit in the shadows if we could. I don't know how good his English is, but bring the translator as well. Bring the translator. We'll or get him we could make an effort. Though. We could make an effort and try and learn Japanese by next Thursday. Just for a podcast, Jesus. Uh, Ange, uh, his quotes. Yeah, go. It's your job, mate. Um, we started the game really well. We knew we would have a lot of possession, but it was it was what we did with it. And I thought we were always probing and asking questions. Second half, Livingston didn't really open up, so it wasn't like we were going to get bags of chances. I still thought we controlled it well. We just never got the goal. So you know, we started started really well. Had the game wrapped up by half time. It's kind of exactly what you want for this sort of fixture. So, job done. Fantastic. We move on to the next one. Before we start talking about St. Johnson, uh, a question from Kevin. Uh, evening team, our play down the left with Taylor, Hatati, and either Miede or Jota brings a lot more to the team than the right. Do you think that's down to more consistent selection on that side, that those players are more bedded into the system, or are they just better? Um, we always seem to have a slight left-hand side bias. We have for... For a number of years, uh, what do you think that's down to? Chris, your kind of thoughts on it? Uh, I think that's well, a big reason for its recruitment. You know, I think that we've, you know, the the players that we've signed, even like for the front three on the left, you've got Maeda. Jota's maybe not left footed, you know, in in that sense, but he that's definitely his strongest position. I think we've seen that against Dundee United. We've even got that with Haksabanovic. You, you certainly see that. Again, we talked last week, I think it was about where is his natural position, but if you were going to pick it, I would say it would be on the left-hand side or at front three. Um, so I think a lot of it to do is the fact that we've recruited there and we're not strong on the right-hand side. Um, you know, th- th- there's still that question mark about, you know, you've got Forrest there who can still contribute. You've got Abada who we've done to death in terms of the contributions he makes, yeah. but his overall play. And then you've got Jota who, for me, is still just a wee bit, you know... Kind of, it's the word I'm looking for. He's kind of, what's the word? Within himself. 
That'll do. Within himself, <laughs> playing in the right, you know, he's, he's he gives in very quickly, doesn't he? Patted does, in the head as well. Right? No, no, it'll do. It's, it's, uh, there is this particular word that's very articulate, but I can't think what it is. So um, that's why I'm accepting that. He does look as if he's playing within his capabilities more on the right hand yeah, side than yeah. he is the left hand side. Now, when you've got Maeda in form, or let's say, for instance, Haksabanovic gets to there, then you are tempted to play him on the right, even though you're not going to get the best out of him. And I think that speaks volumes about the options on the right, because if they were kind of nailed down and they were really, really solid, the question would be then about, you know, Maida or Jota or whatever and in, 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 in replacing each other now, where it's, where it's more a case of just kind of saying, well, we can get Jota in over there sort of thing. So I think there is an imbalance there. I think if you were being really, really greedy, then that might be somewhere where you would think if you've got somebody who's very much a right-sided forward, that would be somewhere that we could recruit in terms of um, going forward. But it is difficult with the amount of players that can play across the front three to then go out and do that. So I think just with the quality that we've got, the players that we've bought, we are going to be heavily tilted to that side. I think um, Kevin said, are they just better? Well, I think that's probably fair to say. Our left-handed options are better than our right-handed options, and I think that's probably where we are. Um, Alan, just before I read a similar question from Robert McPherson. Uh, Hi, guys. Hope you're well. Last night, I thoroughly enjoyed yet another fantastic performance from Maeda, who's been in incredible form since the World Cup. I did, however, notice that Jota was quieter uh, after one of his best recent performances on the weekend against the United. My takeaway is that our two best wingers are currently playing at a different level to the rest of the pack. Abada deputising well, but Haxabanovich and Forrest not quite at that level. They do, however, both perform significantly better on the left wing than the right. If our two best wingers both play on the left, is it better with the current setup, swapping them around, or simply playing Abada and picking one to allow players to play in their best role? With a rotation use of the five subsystem, that would still have plenty of minutes, but it seems illogical to not play two of the best players in the league when you can. Wonder what you guys thought. Uh, hail, hail. Thanks, Robert. Kind of similar to what we've kind of been talking about overall, but I thought it was important to get Robert's point of view across. Uh, Alan, what's your take? Um, I, I agree largely with the points that um, Kevin and Samani have made, and I think they're, they're valid. I think just the other one I'd throw in is Cal McGregor. He's, he drives the team. He has a preference probably to play in that left-hand side. He's more comfortable driving with the ball down that side. Wherever he's more comfortable, the ball will go. So I think his kind of input and his instinct to drive left with it because that's his favoured side. Yeah. Um, it's also where he played until he was moved into the six. I think that's got a lot to do with it as well. I think he drives the team and um, where he wants, to, where his first instinct to put the ball is where the team will play. So I think that's got a lot to do with it as well, as well as the points that the, guy, the guys have made. Yeah. Um, in regards to Liam... Uh, final question that we've got tonight before we kind of finish on looking at St. Johnson. Could we do with a left-footed winger? A bit simplistic perhaps, but I feel like we're a bit limited in that we don't have anyone who can go down the outside on the left or cut in from the right, despite having other types of variety amongst the wingers. I know we do rely on the system mostly for our success, but having a left-footed Jota-type player I feel would really add another dynamic and point of difference to our attack. Be good to get your thoughts. A lot of questions about wingers. Um, I think that's you know, this is interesting because obviously we, we, we 
we were looking at you know centre half and you know full back at the beginning of the season, and it's all it almost like that is now. It's almost like okay, we're pretty settled there now. We've got brought in Kobayashi, we've brought in Johnston, uh, the kind of um, moving on Juranovic and such. Taylor's in great form. It's almost like we're just moving up because the mid- midfield we seem to have a lot of options, and you know Awata, Turnbull off the bench, Moyes playing really well. We're kind of focusing now in that front three. That's natural, you'd say. But what what's your kid? I know, I know, you kind of just we, we've briefly been talking about it. But out of those players that we have as wingers, the two your two best and your two deputies, and if anyone you think we can improve on, Alan, we'll start with you. Yeah, I, I, I mean, if there is a left-footed winger that is as comfortable on the ball as you know the, the guys we've got at the moment, it would help. I don't think we need a natural, naturally left-footed player, though. I think what you want is someone who can do a similar role to what Maeda does on the left. So he's primarily right-footed, but he's very comfortable going down the outside. Yeah. But also quite happy to come inside as well. I think if you had that on the right, then it would be helpful. And I think there is probably hope that Jota can develop into that. But I think then when you kind of drop down and think what the hierarchy could be, I think James Forrest is very good coming inside with the ball, but he's maybe not got that dynamism that you probably want. If you're trying to kick the levels of the team on, he can contribute, but as a contribute. starter, yeah. probably not. And I think that's where there may be, there could be some attrition in that you know area next season. Um, I think the other important thing is, is that players continue to develop and continue to improve. And I think that's where, you know, maybe Leila Bad is at that point in the moment where he's, we want to see him kick on and, you know, you want to see him be more consistent, improve a lot. Um, so I think I wouldn't say that, uh, I think I wouldn't be surprised if there's maybe two out, one in, in the summer in that area. Um, if one of them was left two footed. Out, you think? Well, I just think with, you know, James Forrest's age, um, I know he signed a new deal, but... Who, players, who players, would be the other one? Well, it could be any of, I mean, let's not be negative, but we've got a, a lot of talented players there that other teams will be interested in. So similar to other areas in a pitch, couldn't rule out that you might have a big money move or players want to go for more football, you know, potentially a badder. You know, his game time's been fairly limited recently um, and he's a player who has incredible potential and talent. So you could pick you could pick any of those wingers and say yeah. they might not be here next season. I'm, I'm not suggesting any of them will go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if, if a couple go, then you would hopefully look to recruit maybe someone getting a left foot will be difficult but someone that's comfortable on that side and wants to play on that side whether he's right or left foot I'd be quite happy with so I, you know I think uh, I would be very interested in that but I, I wouldn't say that the, all the guys that are there just because they've signed within the last two years will be here next year I think I, I would expect to be honest at least one of them to go I think the gap the, the, the glaring kind of issue on the right hand side is probably that Abada hasn't filled it and that's because Again, we've done to death Abada's attributes and, and his deficiencies. But I would still tend to agree with Alan that he is a young guy with enormous potential and probably, you know, in terms of the his stats, you know, with goals and, and you know, assists or contributions or whatever you call it, um, it'll be big there. So there will be clubs who will look at that and think, you know, he's maybe still not the finished article, but he's did this, we can work on that, we can kind of, bring him forward so he's a get if I'm being honest if I had to pick it would be a better if we were looking to lose someone because he's not quite he's not at the level that he maybe should be or maybe want him to be at can be maybe but he's also still got 
a resale value, which means that you wouldn't want to be totally lowballed by him given his age and given what he's done. So if somebody comes in with a decent offer, you know, we're obviously a, a club who's kind of trying to bring in um, and, and, and sell players on. For me, he would be ideal for that to happen. Um, I just worry it might be Jota or somebody that, 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 that gets moved on. Um, but that gap's there. It's a badass to fill. I'm just not sure that he will, um, but just well, it remains to be seen. We always talk about, you always bring up having about, you know, wingers are, by their very nature, pretty inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like every one of the wingers we've had on both sides have kind of went through a level of inconsistency this season. Maeda was, wasn't was playing particularly well at the start of the season. Now he's fantastically on form. Jota's kind of been up and down. Abadis came in and he's contributed when he's had to, but there will be other games when he's kind of dropped off. And it is kind of hard to, I think, if you if you you know if you you have a big board and you put every one of those players down and you start writing about their their attributes, their positive attributes, you start looking at it and you're like, they're all really good players. Mm-hmm. Mm. And but it's just almost if if when one drops off, if the other picks up, like that's the perfect world. But we don't live I, there. To be honest, I think that's what largely we have had this season. Yeah, especially domestically. I mean. Look, you can look at individual games and say like, he didn't have a great game. I don't think Abada had a great game at the weekend against Dundee United, but you could say that it's actually very similar to the discussion we had here last week about the players we're talking about now. In a month's time, we could be saying entirely different things. Ah, about. Exactly, and yeah. it feels like that. You know, O'Reilly start of the season good in the great in the eight, did a good job in the six. Now, kind of struggling to get himself into the team. Um, Abada, Maeda, Jota it does feel very much like the system and I think going way back now but we did talk a lot about the system feels like the, the kind of star as opposed to personnel because we've managed to cope without McGregor, Carter Vickers everything and we've handled it largely in our stride so yeah I think um, I wouldn't look at one match and say he was rotten, he'll not get a kick of the ball again I think as long as other guys pick up the slack and they're doing the right things and as long as you don't piss off Ange by not working hard enough and not getting to that back post um, which is definitely something that annoys him clearly then I think he'll he'll allow it if things don't come off you in one chosen night then you know that's fine so be it you'll get another chance as long as you're working hard enough uh, I just want to say that Liam when he sent in his uh, whatsapp he uh the question was great, but he finished by saying uh, Paddy Roberts looked handy for Sunderland away at a good Fulham side at the weekend, by the way. And then he put in brackets, mind you, so did Diallo with a laughing face. Do you know what would be good? If we could just get, see, like, Arjen Robin, just like him, <laughs> prime, maybe prime. at, like, 27. Ah, that would be good. Someone that you know fine well what they're going to do, but there's the nada you can do about it. That see, was Spanish for, for nothing. Rivaldo was always the same when he did that wee fake, and you'd be like, he's going to do the fake. And you just. We could have had him, mate. We could have had him. Yeah. Him and Ivan de la Pena. Um, St. Johnson, we've got St. Johnson on Sunday, mm-hmm. um, 12 pm. Chris, what are your thoughts going into this game? Because we should confirm that uh, uh, Nicky Clark will be available, of course. The, uh, the, the yes. Nicky Clark got sent off against Rangers. I had you know, I hadn't put two and two together, but it's all coming together now. Yeah. Uh, he uh, he will be available. What's the point in VAR, I guess, would be the question. Because Stuart Dougal seemed very happy with the decision. Um, indeed, indeed he did. Um, I wonder why he was happy with that decision. I mean, we know why he's you, you, You're alluding to something there, Chris. Uh, wink, wink. But he's a former referee, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are you thinking about this game? Um, yeah, I mean, it, mindful of the last time we were there um, and the late drama that Alan loves. It was, wasn't was particularly... <laughs> it is great, obviously, when that happens, but to concede that <laughs> injury time equaliser and then go up the park and score 
is terrific, but it's no good for the old heart rate. It's so. good when it's when it's happened. Yes, but when in the midst of it, it's the worst thing in the world. So my thoughts in this game is like, I mean, we were in terrific form, you know, um, home and away. Wednesday, you know, we just look like a well-oiled machine just now. So I fully expect us to go there and and to win. Um, but it's always in the back of your mind that you know. Standards can't drop. If they drop slightly, even mentally, that can then play out on the park. And there have been some games, that being one, where you know it's not been easy. We've talked about maybe not being ruthless enough and getting goals. I think that's key. If we get a goal ahead or whatever on Sunday, you know we really need to be sharp enough to take um, one or two more chances, just so that we don't find ourselves in the position that you know. See if you're getting one nil up in the last few minutes of a game, it's always weary. It's always dodgy, and I'd much prefer to avoid uh, the scary moment that we had the last time so yep we'll go into this game 3-0 up at half time again bing bang bosh or whatever bing bang bosh I don't know <laughs> how could you get it's a, new, it's a new thing he's, he's trying out he's trying I think out. it's uh, I think that's what uh, the kids are saying I think that's uh, to top of the hit parade I think that's uh, a popular saying I just said there Chris sound um, <laughs> St Johnson away Perth Alan um, I'm guessing it's a game that I quite like going to Perth, but there has been some sticky moments in the last couple of years. Um, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I think the same as well. There's a very fine balance between us playing great and not coasting the games because that downplays it, but being very comfortable. And then, as Samani says, potentially taking your eye off the ball. And that's where the manager does probably enjoy the option of being able to make changes because you want to bring in guys that are scrapping for game time so I would expect one or two changes I, I, I'd imagine there'll be a couple off the back of last night um, and it, you're looking for those guys to kind of give a lift and we are fortunate obviously McGregor is extremely consistent and we've heard a lot about that recently um, because it is a game that you do fancy to, to go and win um, and it is about then trying to be ruthless trying to maybe the difference between this week and last week is that you try and push a little bit harder maybe in that first half because we were just turning the screw and then the end of the first half at Dundee United last week kind of get away from us with the penalty thing I think this week you're hoping that you get a good run at it and you can maybe break the deadlock in the first half um, I do think the pitch is not in great condition there so it's maybe um, you know it's just one of those things to be aware of but I, I think you'll have a couple of changes maybe a slightly different approach but can't not be confident um, with the way we're playing at yeah. the moment. Yeah, um, in their last seven games, uh, we played them on, on uh, Christmas Eve, 24th of December. Uh, we won 4-1, of course. But they've played, including that game, they've played seven games and they've lost six. So they won yesterday um, against uh, Motherwell, 2-0, uh, but it was six defeats in a row. The three of them being at home, so you know they're not in the, the greatest run of form. Um, in regards to how... we. On the we record a podcast called the Weekend Update every Friday morning, which has uh, opposition analysis, and uh, we'll break down how St. Johnson will play and how Celtic can counter that, and we'll kind of round up the news of the day. So there'll be a full preview of the game on that tomorrow. Um, if you subscribe to the Cynic.co, check it out. But how would you line up, Chris? Would you make many differences uh, from? Would you make many differences? Many differences. Would you make many differences? Would you make? You're, many you're doing changes? great, considering English is clearly not your first language. People have said that to me my whole life, um, and I run a podcast. <laughs> but would you make many changes? Um, obviously, you've got oh, you've got a water. There's as, as Anne says, you know, there's lots of different options. What's your 
Any changes? I mean, there are. I mean, I wouldn't make many changes, um, but it's hard to predict what the manager will do. You know, generally speaking, I mean, we've had. Um, I mean, he started O'Reilly during the, um, last night, obviously, instead of Moy, but we've had other times where he's, he's kind of sprung a surprise. So I wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't be shocked, even if you, you may be seeing, like, I was going to say Kobayashi come in and maybe kind of partner um, either Starfelt or Vickers or maybe a possible change in midfield, Awata. Maybe it's a bit too soon for him, I don't know. But there's enough there in terms of how the team's performing just now that we can make a couple of changes without going to affect the overall balance of the side. I don't know whether he'll do it or not. I wouldn't particularly be opposed to it, but, you know, largely speaking, if we, we're going to pick what we think right now is our best side, our best side that's on form. But Ange thinks a wee bit different and I think he's got confidence in a lot of players. So there won't be wholesale changes, I don't think, but I wouldn't be surprised if he say, you know, he stuck one or two in a wee bit different. It's maybe a wee bit early for... I mentioned the water, it's maybe a bit early for him or O, but I think you might see, you know, Kobe Ashi someday that you know he might think, okay, I'll give you uh, a, a, a shot here to to see how you do. So it's not out the realms of possibility. I don't want to say it and guess the manager, but you know, look out for that team sheet, Chris. <laughs> so when I ask you, it's going to be the changes. Your answer is look out for the team sheet. Pretty much <laughs> a lot, a few U turns in there as well. Um, obviously, we, we had the game on Wednesday, but there's no midweek game next week. Um, do you think that'll come into his thinking, Alan? No, I don't no. really know. No, <laughs> in, in what it way? It is hard. No, I, I, I think no, it's is hard. I think Moy will come back in for O'Reilly. What's your team? You see me writing it down, didn't you? you know, it's I like good. I'll, I'll, I'll genuinely like that you write it down. It's good. Hart, Johnston, CCV, Staffel, Taylor, Calmack, Moy, Rio, Kyogo, Maeda, and Haksibanovich. See, that's, that's shite. Right, what he did is he put his team out there and he went. I'll put Moy back in, and then I'm just going to pull somebody out of thin air. No. Haxabanovich. No. It's a bit like me with Kobe Ashi. It's nah. a lot of Well, I mean, I mean, Haxabanovich has got a chance of starting, but apart from that, <laughs> uh, does well, he? Ha- played really well in Perth last I, time. We played I, him. Well, I was thinking that, so and that's also, so it was based on that. Aye. He didn't get. I, I thought. Like you know, not, yesterday. Yeah, and I, I did think that was. It's like we always like to try and find something to have a wee niggle or a moan about. So let's get it in before the whistle. But he is finding it difficult to get game time at the moment. Um, so, And he's one of the ones where we, we, we left out of that kind of winger discussion because we don't really know where his best position is. So exactly. it'll be interesting. I think one of the wingers will drop out, I think, Vahak Sabanovic this weekend. Um, I mean, could, he played, be, could be Maida, could be Jota, to be he, honest. It's, he played in the eight position last week. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know where he plays, so Alan's throwing him in on the right-hand side. You had Kobayashi potentially playing a fucking... What's wrong with that? None. Nothing, because he's a, he's a fine footballer. And he's, he's a, a Celtic really good player. He's, a, he's yeah. actually available. They're all good players. They're all good. We bloody I, love I was thinking of the, 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 the Farrah Ted there with the, <laughs> uh, the beauty pageant. Don't they all have lovely bottoms? <laughs> <laughs> Except the players. Yeah. Anyway. So that was that. That, was, that was good. Enjoyed it. Who drinks? Who drinks? Going to play a listener? Look out for that team sheet. <laughs> Okay, for that team. <laughs> now, looking forward to that. Uh, obviously, it's uh, tw- I genuinely. So obviously, we don't have a game midweek as well, so who knows what that will mean. Do you uh, not think that was quite a good wee hang? You see, it will come in. Uh, well, I mean, they'll get two days off, but apart from that, I don't know. Genuinely, though, see, when it comes to that, what do you think he'll do? I wouldn't change much, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but the manager might. <laughs> 
Look out for that team sheet. That is pretty much it. He loves that. He loves that accent. Do, do, like do you know why? Because you're really good at it. You, see, because we're playing really well just now as well, and we are getting to that stage where we're really rolling and you feel confident in every game. See, when you see the team sheet, you're looking for something mental. Aren't you? You're looking for like <laughs> fucking Awata. Oh, I want all the new guys yeah. starting. And then you, it's like, and then you oh, want to get annoyed. He's picked yeah. McGregor again. I bet he'll be really good. <laughs> <laughs> but see, when they're exactly, but see if that. Like generally speaking, if some of the players are dipping or the, the side's form is kind of up and down, it's much easier to kind of make perhaps some educated guesses where the manager might see when we're playing so well. Yeah, it is just who knows, Chris? Not <laughs> look, sure. Look out for that team. Look sheet. out for that team sheet. <laughs> uh, I would like to see Haksabanovic play because I'm a big fan of his work, and uh, I think uh, it'd be good. And as you joking aside, as you, as you both have said, like you know, you can make one or two changes, and it's not going to completely uh, derail the system. Because there's enough real consistency in that team. So, um, in saying that, I don't think I've had an Ange team right in the 18 months he's <laughs> been here. So, maybe I'll break the deadlock this Sunday. Exactly. Um, we will have a reaction to the St. Johnson game straight after uh, the game finishes. Uh, there's a reaction to the um, the game uh, against Livingston on Wednesday. There was one recorded straight after and was available, I think, about an hour and a half after the game. So, we react to every single game. Um, so, check that out. Check it out at thecynic.co. Uh, this has been fantastic, uh, as always. Um, looking forward to this weekend. Um, should be great. Uh, looking forward to it. <laughs> Sound buzzing. <laughs> no, I just, I, cannot, I lost my train of thought, though. But no, no, genuinely looking forward to it, and it, it will be good to see uh, kind of who lines up uh, looking for that team sheet. Um, TM. TM. Uh, Chris Samani, an absolute joy, as always. Thank you very much. Oh, then he obviously. Uh, Alan Edgar, pleasure, sir. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Uh, as we say, you can check out thecynic.co. We've got daily podcasts uh, covering everything from a Celtic perspective. Um, from Alan Edgar, from Christopher Samani, I'm Chris Gallagher. This has been The Cynic Weekly, and we'll speak to you down the road. Mm-hmm.